0: Hey, scuttlebutt listeners thanks again for joining us um, as always I'm Vic I'm here with Nancy hi everyone and uh, for those who have been following us is a little blast from the past a little mini reunion if you will but we're here with Sergeant Major LeHue our very first guest um, devil dog ex- extraordinaire hard as woodpecker lips uh, and professional walker now, so sir <laughs> major, thank you so much for being here. It is Vic and Nancy. thanks for having me
1: back in the studio
0: yeah this is uh this is really great um again i just I feel obligated to mention that you are an am tracker yeah, yes so absolutely. yeah absolutely, <laughs> and so this is always a pleasure to uh be able to share with another uh an Amtrak, fellow Amtrak, or fellow salt dog. Um, so, again, thank you so much for taking the time Thanks to be lot. here with us. Um, and so, yeah, so we're here uh, again, again, and this is so great. Um, and you've been rambling
1: on, as Led Zeppelin like to say. Yeah, I think pretty busy since, <laughs> uh, since the last couple of times that we were out there. You know, having walked 3,365 miles is the official total i think there was probably a few extra miles in there somewhere else and uh, it's been pretty busy we've done another walking event about three weeks ago that was up in ohio dedicating uh dedicating a highway uh to some county veterans where did
0: you start uh before that
1: what's that where did you ended in ohio but where did you start on this one no the 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 original one was the Boston to Newport.
0: Right. Right. And this
1: other one here was a county in Ohio that was one of the first counties that was dedicating a veterans highway across their county, which happened to be a county I grew up in. Okay. So I went back the day before they were going to do an event as to not detract from that event. Myself and Rocky, who was part of the long road, because we have Ray deployed on the island of Kiribati right now. Okay. uh, Doing some search and recovery. And we went up there for thirty very grueling miles in a single day to dedicate that veterans' home.
0: Yeah, that's like uh, that's like a TBS cert X. Oh, it sure yeah. was. <laughs> it sure <laughs> was. <laughs> so yeah, the long road then.
2: So yeah, let's let's talk about the long road. Let's. The last time we had you in studio was about a month before you stepped out oh, in yeah. Boston, and you had some predictions, some ideas. Um, preconceived notions about how things would go now that you're back you've had some time to reflect how did it go as compared to how you thought it would go
1: Uh, a great question nancy because i think overall um it started off a little rougher probably for a couple of Marines that were ground pounders for a majority of their entire careers you really do believe you have this you have this kind of fake bravado that regardless of your age or anything else, you used to do this all the time. And it really was one of the bigger worries was how long does that muscle memory take to kick in? Uh, because we had to pick a starting date, and I was in here just a couple of weeks before we even picked a starting date the last time. So it was really in its infancy right. about the concept development, and, and pretty much it was – you know, we're, we're going to go from the East Coast to the West Coast at that time, and we're going to stay in this corridor using this main highway, Highway 20, as a guiding thing. And that was overall, uh, other than resupplies and having your family support, it was you got to get on the road and you got to start doing that.
0: Yeah, and the thing about
1: muscle memory is your muscles remember that. The shit sucks. (laughs) It it does. It does. And, and, you know, it's one of those things about anything we're doing is not going to be gifted to you. It's it's earned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when we were up there stepping off, looking at my family's face, looking at uh, Rocky's family came in, looking at a lot of friends that we have, John Atkinson's family, because we stepped off from Boston. And John and I are doing a project uh, for the assault amphibian community. Uh, called the Amphibian Tractor Association. Yep. Um, so we were all there, and, and one of the things that's funny is everybody wants to be supportive, but if you know your friends and you know your people, you can read their faces. Yeah. Oh wow. And when you're stepping off from a parking lot at eight in the morning, and your family's standing there, and they really see you leave. Yep. Right. Whether you're yeah. your grandson, and your grandson probably doesn't know what's going on. Right. That's just right. That's just grandpa. He's just going to walk around the corner and we'll pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. 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 So you're a kid doing that and, and everybody else. And, and we, kind of, we kind of laugh now because as you follow up with that, you get to go and ask people. So tell me what your thoughts were when we stepped off and going. And I will tell you, not a shame. Nine out of ten people say we didn't think you'd make it.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: Didn't think you'd make it. One in the best shape. We are both a lot older and that's a long way. And the weather was and the insane weather is this you're year. gonna cross twelve states yeah. and you're gonna have to do it through multiple elevations, climate zones. And a lot of your friends and, and a lot of people you see online are, you know, it ties into the fundraising. Why early on you get a little bit depressed because the funds aren't coming in in conjunction with what you're doing. So you're sitting in a cornfield somewhere, both looking at each other going, we're giving up family time and I can never get back in my life. But mm-hmm. the funds and the messaging aren't matching what is going on. Right, And I think back to your original see, I probably miss or, or underestimated when you go out. Everybody has their thing, but your thing may not be someone else's thing. So just because you're doing MIAs or it's Marines or it's something like this, you kind of think a lot of the information the support will come faster. Or there's a Marine every five houses across America or something like this, right? But they all have their own thing going on that day, and they're all going to work that day. They got to pick up their kids. They got to do that. And as you're progressing through one, two, three, four states, people are also looking that is paying attention, and they're also starting to go, hey, wait a minute, maybe they're not going to stop. Hey, they just made it across another state. Oh, my God, they're to Ohio now. Once that started kicking in, what I did not expect rapidly started to happen of how fast that bow wave can turn real quick from sitting in fields questioning the validity and everything of this to, oh my God, I cannot keep up with the public relations, with the offers of support. And we're talking about four states in. So we had eight more states to go. So once we got to about Ohio, Indiana border is kind of when the news media Mm -hmm. that was in the East started catching up with middle America. And then roughly about the time that I went and threw out the first pitch for a White Sox game and everybody, a stadium full of forty four thousand people were saying, Who is this guy? And oh my God, these guys are walking across America and oh my God, he he threw a seventy nine mile an hour strike right across. We the gotta point. get a video of that, by the way. That needs to that needs to be part of our, our catalog. So I think Nancy that is for sure. that, that's two very good things right there of to to answer that is um, the original thing, you thought it would come faster, right? And it didn't. So then you really have to power through every day. And mm-hmm. like you were talking about, the suck factor, Vic, is originally we started with, we're going to start with what we have, do what you can, go as long as you can each day, X amount of miles to do that. And you figured out within two or three days, this equipment's not going to work. Mm-hmm. These shoes aren't going to work. This And you're just throwing things off the wayside. But sometimes... You don't have a supply point, or you don't have something coming for another twenty-two miles, so you have to adjust your speed. You have to adjust according sure. to rain, according to temperatures. Um, so, once you had a start and an end goal, and you had a time frame to do that, it was difficult, but a lot easier to regulate each day on how far you have to go, what break you can do or how much rest you your body is going to have to have yeah, yeah. to understand the shock that's going on right now.
0: And I, I apologize um, for sort of forcing a rewind here, but for our listeners who maybe aren't even aware that this happened, going back to your question, Nancy, like, what was the impetus, what was the mission of this walk? This wasn't just a couple of old leathernecks deciding... Hey, um, from Boston to Oregon would seem like a cool idea. What, 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 what was the driving force behind this, horror? what was the,
1: your end goal, or your your objective as you guys? started Absolutely, off? good yeah. circle around. So you have two really quick things, and they tied in together. Is one, when we ran here before, we're still coming out of COVID. Yep, and the world's waking up and and we have an overseas business for about three years that got shut down yeah so, this is history flight. And, and the yep. biggest thing with history flight was we had a lot of great momentum going in 2019 sure we had absolutely a lot of recoveries coming what i talked about with the long road about people knew the message people were that it was on point and then covid just destroyed every mm-hmm. bit of that mm-hmm. so in order to rebuild X amount of years that it took to get all of that, I started to come up with how how can you get a message out that is different because everyone in the world's trying to get their message out right now about I need to restart my War Dog Foundation, I need to do this. I need, how does it not get lost in a thing? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then secondly, it was a trip to the post office in Fredericksburg, Virginia. <laughs> And I walked down to mail a package and noticed a tattered POW flag that was flying outside the post office, which is not indicative of the Fredericksburg Postal. they're really right. So it was – walked in, talked to somebody. And I just asked them, could you possibly please replace the flag that was outside? And she had said, very nice, it takes a while. We have to order. And I understand that. Being mm. an organization well I have three or four of those up in the office I keep uh-huh. to be able to give to somebody and I said I'd be more than happy to give you one that's here and we engaged in a really brief conversation because she was very intrigued about why it mattered to me about that flag out there interesting As most people talk to them about the American flag if it's tattered they don't discuss the black flag that is right. underneath she really did not understand the context she worked there forever
0: and, and I w- think for the most part, within the American consciousness, we associate
1: POWMIA with Vietnam. You do. And that's exactly right. You know, one, because America's longest wars that you and I participated in, we brought everybody home. Mm-hmm. And secondly is we didn't bury our people on foreign soil. This is the first war. You know, it, it, Gulf War even had Scott Spiker disappear and right. a few things that were here. This truly was the first large scale American war. That there was nothing coming home on the television sets saying, Your neighbor is missing in action. This person is. Right. No one's
0: glued to their TV looking for their.
1: So we have now grown a generation that has lost the context of what that flag represents in America. And then, if you do remember, at the same time, we had an administration say, I'm going to move this off the top of the White House onto the lawn. And to a lot of veterans, they're like, that's preposterous. And now that's back on top of the White House to show it's the only flag. When When people really wrap their head around outside of their own state flag, this is the only flag in all 50 states across America that is authorized to be flown underneath the American flag. Now, if you're in your own state, you have your national, you have your state colors, you have this. This flag is flown on every post office, federal building, and that underneath the American flag. And we have 350, 400 million people that look up every day and just go, well, I know what that top one is, Mm -hmm. but I'm not even going to ask what that bottom one is. They could fly anything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's really preposterous to me. For the efforts that it took people years ago to lobby to get that and for that to have that national level of importance but not have that national level of visibility anymore was the main reason that Rocky and I, I reached out to him and I said, we have a window because we're going to be back in the field pretty quick. I want to get a message out and I want to be able to highlight this story to America again to reaffirm what that flag is to people. And also reaffirm to them uh, that those stars that you may pass by in windows that are gold and everything else, directly tied to that flag, directly tied to the flag that's above it. And it's a connecting file. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's who we are as America since 1775. Regardless if you're black, white, Puerto Rican Jew, Democrat, Republican, that is the one true non-polarizing flag Mm -hmm. that is there. That even people who are very polarized—Nancy and I have talked about this—even yep. people and neighbors who are rabidly opposed to each other politically yeah. across 12 states, we saw no one come out to protest that flag. And they all, once they kind of knew, even those people that may be against the war or the military or something like this would be making donations in yeah. support of their neighbor— And you could explain to them, now that I look back, I can understand what that correlation is to that guy's work ethic, that I was my high school coach that was here. And a lot of the things that they couldn't understand at the time, maybe you just didn't have the perspective when you're younger and nuggets. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts. It's why you and I keep old books. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I read the same book almost every decade because I get something different out of that when I'm 50 than I did when I was 20. Absolutely. And so to be able to do that across America and basically be like an MIA minstrel to walk every foot from coast to coast, the conversations that you had with people started to take on a life of its own because this town would then start talking to the next town. And this post office would call the next one about their POWMIA flag. And this just started to not be a burden like it was when you start original things and you don't know how to do it, you don't have the resources, but you just get out there and do it. Then this started crowdsourcing across America Mm -hmm. to where I could honestly enjoy walking across the beauty of America because you're not putting this whole program together because it's doing itself for you
2: and th- that was something so I have the benefit o- over everybody listening that you and I have had a chance to talk about this already and um, if anybody wants to read more about the long road the walk what you did the May issue of Leatherneck has an article about that but one of the really interesting things that we talked about, and I keyed on a little in that article, is that crowdsourcing that happened and how it snowballed very, very quickly on your Facebook group, where I think your, your, um, your expression that you used was that it was a community bulletin board in the very best sense of that phrase, that people were not just helping you out as a walker, but they were helping each other out. They were helping each other support you and how incredible that was. It really showed the best of America, the best of Americans. Did that really surprise you?
1: It did because I called up like, one day and I said, I don't know how to do this, but we gotta get the word out somehow that we're doing this. And this was probably May of that time frame and I sent him a snapshot and I said add yourself that's on here you'll be the third person I think I just created a Facebook group to do this and I can still remember it has three people that was here. <laughs> now when you're talking about 15 to 16,000 people rapidly starting to go after that fourth state remember is they don't know now the crowdsourcing's talking to each other and then all of a sudden it's hundreds at a time not just a single and as, as he see aptly said now they are early on it, it's me going in there saying the same thing 25 times over and right first, <laughs> i remember right and you're putting public service announcements then it started to be other people going if you read on this day he already spoke about this boom 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 and then that started to maximize the point why minimize the, the stress and the impact on that and that crowdsourcing for good. A lot of people are very uh, apprehensive about putting open Facebook groups that aren't controlled content. You know, I, I, I was told numerous times, don't do that because you'll have people hijack this. You'll have people do this. You can go on there almost nine plus months. It's still going on now. Yes, it is. And that is a Facebook group. You will not see a na- single negative comment. You won't hear people yelling at each other. You won't be, who do you think you are commenting on something? It's it's beautiful.
2: It's incredible. It kind of reminds me of the small-town neighborhood barbershop or beauty salon. And and people just still posting positive messages or hello or hey i i saw this i saw the article or i told somebody about this walk it it's there it's surprising because it it's not political or there's no an antagonistic behavior on it at all it's it's actually really a pleasure to go on there every now and then and say you know and take a look see what people are saying to and each i think other. what's
1: the most surprising is i thought on december 17th in newport oregon that page stopped. Mission's done. Right. I don't have to upkeep anything else. And then it's like two weeks later, it's somebody gets on there and we really miss you guys. And what are you guys up to now? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. And, and now I feel a need of we're maintaining this page and we may not be out there walking, but the page has taken on still this positive life of its own of people on there highlighting their own communities to other communities and saying, hey, you, m- you just walk past our community, but come on next door if you want a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, g- it's, it's a great awesome. thing. And so why a walk? Was because, it, okay. absolutely, Vic, because... Everyone drives across the United States normally once in their life, or they attempt to do that. Some communities never leave their communities forever. It's out there. You find that. Everybody does that. There's a handful of people that ride their bike across there. Right. Or motorcycle. No one walks across the United States. And everybody who normally walks across the United States, people look at them like they're homeless. There must be some... You've lost your house, or there's there, there can't be a purpose, or they're looking for something. It's like David Carradine, they're wandering the earth looking (laughs) for the meaning of life. So, people can't put two and two together because, in their head, a majority of people don't like walking to the end of their driveway down the street, so they cannot comprehend 3,365 miles, or they won't even walk. To downtown Fredericksburg or walk across this base, yeah, because it sounds exhausting to them. So when they look at that, I don't think anybody looks at it as a feasible option because it also takes time.
0: Yeah, well, for those of us who've done cross country PCSs that's a brutal three to five days, however, whatever your pace is, and you don't drive to really
1: see anything. You stick on a blue interstate highway, yeah, which was made to bypass all these small towns. And you don't really get to see the real thing of America. Um, When you walk across a U.S. highway that is not a blue highway because it's illegal to walk on a blue highway. So Highway 20 is the longest coast-to-coast highway that you actually can traverse by foot. And it starts taking you through what we were doing a news interview one day. And Rocky just said, I was surprised my jaw hit the deck because Rocky's a man of very few words. And his words matter when you go out, you're sitting there. And he said, this is the bones of America. I get to see the bones of the greatness of the town to town from the steel mills to the small little things. And he said, I never got to experience that. Some of these states I've never been to in my entire life, but I fought to defend these states my entire life mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when you see that perspective Vic it really it really does take on a life of its own about somebody's why. why would they do that
0: right right I mean, it's, It was such a just a Goliath idea and to see it come to its conclusion now I mean it's just got to be so rewarding. I mean you've had so many of these sort of milestones in your life I mean how does this sort of stack up?
1: oh i think well one because of the distance in the time you know six and a half months when people truly do they overstate these once-in-a-lifetime events right okay you go to devil's tower you go say that's a go to the grand canyon that's a a once-in-a-lifetime event no it's really not you can get in the car and get (laughs) there yeah
0: yeah. you can go back
1: this truly on an epic scale because it takes so long it truly is one of those You're not going to turn around and ever do that again. You may go somewhere else or you may want a different thing, but nobody would ever repeat that again Mm -hmm. Um, because it's hard. It is time away from your family. I think that's the biggest thing is there there better be a really good reason Mm -hmm. to do that if you're willing to give up six and a half months of time you will never get back with your family. Or you will never get back with your friends or you will never get back to do other investments or other things that you're doing. So that importance, um, you only come across a couple of those things one time in your life. And I think the epic scale of that still, the gravitas still, Vic, has not hit me at all. Yeah. You, me, I'm, it's like we're here a year ago and I didn't even do that. Nancy has done a great job capturing it to remind me that I did do that. And. I took. I had told her, you know, I, I took 12,000 photographs that are out there. There might be twenty-five of those. that's online, floating around. But you're talking about that kind of epic scope of every single town we walk through has a photograph somewhere, from the entry to the exit sign to the to the main touristy thing of that town. Right, right. That sounds right. like you're a never book. See those.
2: No, that sounds like a book. It we we got to totally put together like the long road book. That would be amazing. Yeah, I mean,
0: even if it were just sort of a sort of a photo tour of America. Yes. I mean, all of the largest balls of yarn yes. and the yes. mud house, you know, from so and so or like And uh, that muscle memory
1: you and I talked about. Yeah. Right. It works in reverse as well. So when you take a little bit home by Christmas and you get home and yeah. you sit down for a couple of weeks and you do whatever, right? I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to do anything. You you go through. It's like when you retire from the military for the first month, I'm not going to do whatever. Right. Then you strap on the pack because you're like, "Eh, I kind of want to get out and do something. Just go throw some clothes on. You go and you do like a little five mile walk downtown. Just in about one month, your feet will start burning again. Mm -hmm. The blisters will start coming back. Your muscles will hurt because I think in my case as well personally, mm-hmm. is I think it's your body also going, wait a minute, are we going to do this <laughs> again? <laughs> <laughs> is this this like happening l- again? Or do I need <laughs> to stop you and remind you of certain <laughs> things? Right, right. And I think we all have those indicators in our lives, whether it's the people around you that says, hey, wait a minute, is this a one-time thing? Is this going to do again? Or it's your own body that, that does say, okay, maybe one 3,000-mile journey is enough. Can we can we carry the same message and do something a little smaller in segments? Um, so that muscle memory kicks in before, before, after you've had such a long break, it takes a long time for your body to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And then after three or four weeks, you rapidly, like any person that goes to the gym successfully again, you do start to see the changes. Um, and then in the reverse of that, how fast, if you don't maintain something like that, how fast, even when you were getting excessive with age, how rapidly that decline can happen again. Yeah. So I think we've, we've, we put the fluoride in the water. We used to try to tell the Marines all the time. It's easier to maintain than to rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. It is.
0: Well, you know, and this is going to be a huge rabbit hole, but it just makes me think, I mean, especially with your participation in um, history flight, obviously your own personal uh, actions uh, in OIF one, um, as we are going to be airing this on memorial day week and we're on the heels of ptsd awareness month in june that sort of um allegory of muscle memory that you just mentioned made me think about what all the folks who are uh experiencing post-traumatic stress Mm go through as well, where it's this thing where your body immediately takes you back to that place and then reminds you that this is something that could potentially do some damage to you, whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, or mortally. Um, I don't know. What are some of the thoughts on that? It's like, did you have a chance as you're doing this for POW, POW, MIA awareness? Did you, were those things that were going through your mind as you're, on this six and a six-and-a-half-month journey across the country, thinking about all these places that, because of the long war, you're on the long road, where these scars maybe are going ignored or, or I don't know, am, am I even making any sense of just sort of?
1: Yeah, and, and that was one of the original things of selecting Highway 20. It was America's longest highway. I've been told numerous times, you know, Justin, there was shorter ways to get from coast to coast if you want to do something. But sure. that wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. And and, and well said, Nancy, that was not the point. And so you instantly know um, you're going to have to embrace the suck. Um, You're selecting the hardest route, and and the hardest route is is Highway 20. At the time I selected that, it was 20 years since 9-11 when we were going to start doing this. So walking Highway 20 was a – homage to Mm. the 20 years of this generations of warfare you have the pow and the mia but you also were an iraq afghanistan kind of veteran group Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was walking and saying a different narrative than a lot of other iraq and afghanistan groups and it was showing people how you can overcome trauma and tragedy and get on with your lives um We chose to have this and a buddy pair, which chooses to say you don't have to walk the long road of life alone. There is friends out there to do it. And as a matter of fact, this is a lot more pleasurable if you bring somebody. Rocky even said and and told Nancy, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a loner. But he goes, when Justin got sick out there for a week and get bit by a tick in New York and I had wound up in a hospital. Uh, you know, I walked for six days with 105-degree temperature till we figured out this isn't COVID. There's something mm-hmm. Something's wrong are on, here. Right. And I wound up in a hospital, thanks to him, going, you're going, to in Cooperstown. They put me with fluids. They did everything else. Uh, thank God it wasn't Lyme's disease, what it turned out. It was anaplasmosis. But I had to come off because the medication, you can't be in direct sunlight. Oh, geez. So you have to come off the road. There's no question. I can't do this. I got to come off the road for about five days, six days. Rocky said, I don't want to come off the road. I'm going to keep going. And it was very matter of fact, because between two Marines, I'm I'm just going to keep walking. Okay, I'll be fine. Right. He told Nancy and I was shocked because she got to interview us separately. Which was really neat because you're not all together. And then you get to hear what each other had said to Nancy was their highs and lows. Yeah. And he said his largest low was the week that I was off the road. He said he never knew how lonely somebody could actually get in their entire life. Now, understand, we're in technology. You got a phone. You can talk to people. You can do this. So that is kind of the microcosm tie-in that you're talking about as well in society with a lot of these PTS-related issues and that is you are totally wired to someone 24-7. And when you're walking across the United States, there's only short areas in which a phone cannot contact somebody. You can get a text. You can get this. If I'm lonely, I'll reach out to my wife or I'll talk to the text that was here. So to hear somebody say for five or six days... Even though I'm meeting people, even though I'm yeah. doing this, something is missing, and I am so lonely that when I saw him come back, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. And that connection to a lot of veterans, I think everybody has somebody like that in their life. If they really and truly look, when you get a walk that far, Vic, you get to think every day about the good and the bad things that happen. Okay, This is a six-and-a-half-month uh, walk. This is a six and a half month deployment to my family. Yeah. yeah. You know, my my wife then, I thought that was over when you retired.
2: Yeah. Okay. So
1: now it's another deployment. Yeah. So, what was easy for them and hard at the simple time was we're going to go back into deployment routine. One month on the beginning. One month on the backside, we need to survive for four months without dad in the middle or whatever. And my daughter, my grandson, mom gets them all together and says, we all know how this works. Yeah, this don't bother him with this. Don't do this. He will reach out if he really needs something. But Mm -hmm, if you don't mm -hmm. hear from him in a couple of days, everything's okay." And then my family went back into muscle memory of we've been through this before. And we're going to treat this like a deployment. And when you're out there walking. The thing that always helps me, Vic, combat the good and the bad, like the dichotomy of both, that it seems that a lot of other veterans, for some reason, have some poor coping skills with certain things is around every bad incident, there's a lot of good incidents if people would just open their minds to look what was going on at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see in some of the most traumatic times in your life some of the greatest things human beings have ever done all around you. Uh, and you get to recall those. And you get to recall, like, you hear people talking about watching Brady in the Super Bowl. Well, I got to watch that corporal when he was in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And so, if there's a negative thought that seeps in, I can always transpose a positive one that kind of balances that out. So the scale really doesn't go and swing one way to another. Because when you are out there, and you're walking across certain stretches of highway for 70 miles that don't have civilization right you it's know crazy you can have a lot of negativity sure. creep in real quick yeah um uh, but when you look at my god man i've never seen a sunset like that before my god that farmer is out there tonight um in a nebraska town we pulled off one night on the side of the road and we just sat in a parking lot we were leaning against a building And it's pitch blackout. We're done for the day. And we're on the outskirts of a town. And we watched what I swore up front was a drug deal happen. (laughs) Meaning, this shouldn't be happening here. These people don't know we're here. It's on the outskirts of town. Lights are out. This truck's been parked here forever. This other truck's pulling up now. And you're like, I I read stories about things like this. And then you watch a wife with babies and children get out of the truck that's been parked for a half an hour with the lights on. And the big rig that just came out of the field pulls up next to the truck and the four other kids that's been traveling around with their dad that day in the cab get out of the truck. And that's the battle handover of the kids back to mom wow. because dad wants to see the kids, but dad's got to work. work yeah. And this is the way that we're going to make this work as a family. This wasn't divorced couples. Right. Yeah. This was her giving food off, getting kids back. Here's some other ones. He goes on to do that. And that is America. That is how a majority out there across the the, the, the heartland of America that's how they're making a living every day. Yeah. And it really gets you to kick back and sit there and go. Walking 20 miles today isn't all that freaking painful. Watching what I just watched right there, watching how these kids are growing up, how they're putting food on the table to do that. But the funny thing is the way that family is making it happen as a family. I don't have too much of a doubt that those kids are not going to grow up watching a great work ethic happen. They're not going to be dependent on uh, social services to do things. They're going to remember this is what my mom and dad did to keep us together. And this is what uh, they, they gave us for our life. And we saw that across 12 states. So a walk like that does help a lot of what you're talking about because it gives you a mass perspective Mm -hmm. that you're never going to get on the phone you're never going to get watching the tv and you're never going to get on social media because you're watching it happen and nancy and i talked about this huge is when people step away from a tv screen put their phone down do yard work do anything else like that and they're not constantly being bombarded with information A majority of people do not do what it takes to verify or validate the information that they are receiving or saying they are just reading one thing. That's the gospel. I'm getting it from here. When you walk across America... The gospel is what you're seeing yes
0: yeah, so you're not being fed you're,
1: you're no longer being, fed, being fed a narrative you're seeing these stories and the narrative is quite different yeah from what you're being fed yeah and you're finding out that 12 states that are being told that they shouldn't like each other 12 states that are blue states or i'm a red state or anything when you walked across 12 other than different dialects demographics and things you found so many more similarities between all 12 states across America than you've ever been told yeah. or you're reading about. Everybody is sacrificing every day. Everybody. Like when you you're realize saying, yeah. you're not the center of the, the world and everybody else is just trying Wait, to get what? to the world as well. <laughs> You're talking to an award winner. (laughs) (laughs) I think it really does. And and I'm a 53-year-old man now, so maybe I have a more voyeurist perspective with I want to see things a little bit more on a rose-colored lens. But no, it really – you looked at it through talking to – Um, high schools that would let schools out because you're walking through their town. Uh, And you're sitting here like, I'm just walking through your town. What, What do you mean the whole school is waiting three miles up the road and we didn't even tell you that? Yeah. And they bring the children out and they're waving American flags and they're doing this and you're being told that, there's no America left like that anymore. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah, yeah.
2: So along with your original message and mission and reason for taking this walk, is that a new message that you're also now carrying forward?
1: Absolutely. It, it, the, and that's why that, that Facebook page is still going and a few other things. And I, I believe truly, Nancy, this is why people don't want this to stop. This, this turn into this—that was the biggest shock. I thought, I'm going to walk across something, one and done. It's going to raise some money, get some word out there, on to the next thing. I've got other things uh, going on as well. But the, 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 the reach back of people that don't want the message of that to stop and saw the six months of goodness— It's being posted and not contentious. And there are people taking vacations now to some of the places that they never knew about that they saw on our Facebook page. We're going to go visit this. I love that. We're going to go do that because it's something that inspired them to say it mattered enough to these guys to walk 3,365 miles. I got two legs. I may be hurting today. I mean, one of the greatest things I ever got out there was on a really bad day. I had a guy reach out on messenger and said um no actually put it on the page um, and it said i've been following you guys for months now that was here and he put this testimonial that was there that basically said about a year ago i'm on 17 medications i am disabled I use a pl- placard if I go to the store, I always park at the closest parking spot to the door and he goes, I'm in poor health, Th- this is not going well. And I started watching you guys. And then they started reading the backstory of the combat trauma, the deployments, the, these are disabled veterans, they're out there doing this. That pack has got 40 pounds in and I know it hurts them. Uh, I can't even walk to the mailbox. And he said, I figured if they can do it, I can get my shit together, too. Yeah. Uh, Because he was so proud about being in the military. And they always say that, you know, these were these greatest days. Like we'd said before, some of the worst days of your life are also the greatest Greatest, days of Mm -hmm. the people. And mentally, he wants to be that person again, but physically he can't. Mm -hmm. But there is no can't. It is that Arthur Ashe thing of you don't have to walk 3,000 miles, but you can walk 300 feet today. Or you can do what you can do today mm-hmm. and then take the smaller steps. He started walking to the mailbox and back. Uh, that led to the end of the street. That led to the end of his neighborhood. That led to going and digging out a pack and just putting a little things in it. Yeah. Because it made him feel like he did when he was in the military. And then the good memories start flooding in. I, it's like endorphins kick in. It's like, I, I can do this. I can feel good. And I'm sure at the time his family's looking at him differently. Maybe people are saying, wow, you know, you this is really great. And before you know it, he's telling us, I am on two medications and not 17 now. I Take the farthest parking spot away from every door I go, and I do not hang a placard up in a handicapped spot. He said, even though I know I rate to do that, there's somebody else that needs that spot more than me. Yeah, yeah. That's phenomenal. And to watch that transformation off of just walking and posting each day is amazing.
2: So, to change, to shift gears just a little bit, how did. How did it go in terms of the fundraising and awareness for History Flight and MIA Recovery? Did you reach the goal that you wanted to?
1: Uh, I don't know if there was ever a goal that was really set. Um, I think the goal was on the awareness, absolutely. On the fundraising, I don't know if you really knew what was possible to set a goal. You just kind of knew it. Probably should be more than five thousand dollars if yeah. you're walking, maybe a dollar a mile yeah. or something like this. But when we were done and finished, we were somewhere between two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars. And now that that page and everything else is still going, we're over about four hundred thousand dollars of this entire thing. And that I'm not walking at all now, <laughs> and the donations are coming in oh that's great right because it has manifested itself <laughs> and is it is all as coming through that facebook
0: group that you mentioned
1: like it is, is that and that the reason it did it with facebook it, you know well you'll hear oh my god i'm not on facebook or i'm not you know what it gets exhausting managing multiple social media platforms that is a, especially those first four states when you're the only one doing everything yeah. and you have just walked 24 miles that day. And all you want to do is crawl into a farm field and die. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that is it. But I have to take 10 minutes or whatever yeah. and go through all my thing and to build the narrative or else it defeats the reasoning for, for what's yeah, going yeah. on. So we chose to stick to that. And then that page um, hung the websites for multiple donation platforms okay. to operate off of. So it was easier to feed through that. Yeah. I probably could have doubled or tripled if you're Snapchatting, Twittering, or anything else. Or the next time, you know, one of the greatest things is when Ray Shinahara came out uh, after we were in Illinois and he showed up to walk the rest of the way. Ray was really into wanting to be a social media Person. And he really wanted in his life, he wanted to kind of start a business of generating content for things. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I need you to do. Wow. And once we got drones and he's taken aerial footage and now he's learning and mastering this from state to state to state too, which is giving him tools for success. Uh, there's personal growth here for every single yeah, one of that's
0: us. that's an awesome story. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be sure uh, in our show description to post a link uh, to that Facebook page as well. So, you know, you get dozens of extra <laughs> supporters from from yeah. Scuttlebutt. <laughs> dozens. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, this is, it's such an amazing story, like all of the sort of inroads. So, I guess, I, I don't mean to, cu- to cut in. No, but go like... Ahead. Um, so I, I, you mentioning that uh, somebody joined up uh, to walk the rest of Illinois with you, and it, I don't mean to be uh, overly um, dismissive, but it does remind me a little bit of like in Forrest Gump. Where oh, yes. he starts running right and then all of a sudden he has like this massive he's by himself and then all of a sudden he starts getting this massive following of did you have that where people just coming on board to do like certain legs with you just people, to be a people, part we, of it we,
1: we had a we had a guy in what well, that was in the air Force uh, uberly motivated showed up with a water bottle set of tennis shoes and some things like this <laughs> and you know he he's, he wants to walk he wants to walk to the next town okay he's out there to so all of us, at that point, the next town is nothing today. We're going to be able to get to that 17 miles, 18 miles, or whatever. It was awesome to see the perspective of him because you bring him on as a teammate. You know his goal, like you yeah. said, he would like to get to the next town. You're doing a no man left behind kind of thing, and this is a veteran, yeah. So we're going to help you now. One, this is going to slow us greatly down yeah. today. We have to take more breaks need to have more water whatever you're not conditioned to do this <laughs> so now it's a liability thing too is you gather the troops together how are we gonna yeah. handle egress ourvac okay. plan yeah. you got the thing you get my attention you do and, and that kicks in right your training kicks in and it's like okay stop we're gonna do a convoy brief right now and okay do you have this who's watching this who's doing that and then everybody else you're the point man start moving out and you're going to keep the pace so, 17 miles into there, you could just tell the tears in the eyes, and you could just tell the blisters in the feet Oof, and everything yeah, else yeah. that's here. And we sat against a building, uh, that was over there, but you could also just see such a sense of accomplishment that was, you guys didn't leave me, you didn't treat me like, ah, whatever. Yeah, we got to know who he was. Uh, you get to know all of that. Um, and we had numerous things, Rocky would tell. Why was gone, there'd be one or two people who would come out. And he said those were the great days. Somebody would come out, and there was a guy that came out three different times when he would be walking and would walk with him for the majority of the day, and then that guy would go back to work to do that. Ray was a completely different story because my good man Rocky here withheld a little information, and the information is when Ray's going to join And Rocky is kind of a mentor to Ray. So all three of us were in the same regiment. I'm the regimental sergeant rager. Rocky is my right hand. He's the headquarters first sergeant. Ray is a staff sergeant that works in the three shop. He's kind of running the NCO academy, corporal's course, everything Mm -hmm. else. Ray chooses to get out of the Marines to pursue degrees and a few others. Rocky and I go on to, to do what we're doing, right? I had not seen Ray since that time I probably I could pick Ray out of a lineup yeah but there wasn't a lot of large conversations between Rocky and I even when we're walking out there about hey you know 100 miles down the road Ray's gonna be coming in or to do this it was zero till we got in Elgin Illinois and I walked out of a hotel that morning just to rig up on that cart and we're getting ready to go and we usually have like go across the street get some breakfast sure and we're gonna start walking mmm And I hear, hi, Sergeant Major. (laughs) And I look over, and there's a metal bench with a large pack, and Ray is sitting on the metal bench. Ready to go. And he gets up, ready to go. And I'm like, Sheena? He goes, it's me, Sheena. I'm like, okay, gets up. Bald head, looking like he got out of a ghee ready to go. Yeah. Right? Not the way Ray looked at the end cuz he looked like Lenny Kravitz <laughs> by the time that we were done with the last photo, but all ready to go. And you're sitting here going, "Okay. Day 2, whatever whatever you have. Well, how far are you going to go?" No, oh, I want to stay the rest of the way. From Elgin, Illinois to Newport. We're talking months. Yeah. And still thousands of miles to do that. And right now, you're not conditioned At the level we are to do this right so all of a sudden it's like same thing in combat the plane goes to shit on first contact yeah no man left behind we're gonna do this love you to death fall in um Adjust the pace, adjust the route, make sure you treat the blisters, do the thing, and you get this. And then you sit there and go, okay, you know, logistically, that's another mouth to feed. That's another. More, yeah, more water. So when you're get, saying, you. Nancy, what did you not plan for when mm-hmm. we we talked in here the last time? Yeah. You plan for two. You have three. Probably took a little bit more time on the roll to adjust how to do that as you're walking miles going, okay, here's how we're going to do this. Yeah. And then everybody here, like any valued member of the team, everybody has to have a thing. Like, a co- I want to contribute. Mm-hmm. How do you want to contribute? I can do this. Th- I need that. You can do this. You can do this. And that managed all through that walk to be able to have personal conversations, get to know people's why. We do that. Yeah. And it also allows you probably the longest job interview in the history of job (laughs) interviews. Yeah, (laughs) sure. It does. Good point. Because you get to assess the right person. Because I am really, there is no shortage of people who ever call or knock on your door wanting to do this. Really? Oh, yes. But 99% of those have no business doing any of this. Because... They want to go out, they want to be on a site, they want to take a couple of photos, they want to show to their friends that they're recovering MIAs or what, and I'm done. Okay, so that's, that's $5,000, so. that's right, right, that is. You really have to have people that want to do it for the right reasons, and you got to show them what it's going to take Yeah, to that the really, commitment is more than really just at do the surface level. Cause you're talking about giving up something in your life to try to do a certain thing here. And Ray is out there on the Island of Kiribati right now, helping out the recovery crews as the team leader. And so you're out there walking and you're talking and here's how we're going to make this happen. And then here's how we're going to be able to do this. And then here is what, you know, you're in a field one day and he comes to you going, I, I want to do what you want to, I want to do what you're doing okay, you're serious, and I'm going to see how serious you are. It's pretty serious if you're willing to do your bed, sweat, <laughs> and tears to walk thousands of miles with a bunch of guys. Yeah, my goodness. Right. really and, is.
2: And he did tell me that, Ray did, when I talked to him, that at the beginning it was tough because, like, you were talking about the blisters. You know, you guys were already... Um,
0: Body-hardened. Yeah,
2: yeah, and he said, you know, he said there were days that he wanted to quit, but... Being a Marine, he knew there was no way he could quit, and also he said, "Being with you and Rocky motivated him to to keep to press on."
1: I uh, think everybody over that long of a duration motivates each other because there there is highs and lows of everything. Yeah, right? there's no way you could keep. There's no that way you, you will know e- somebody. E- uh, yeah. and, and and you will know somebody a lot better than you even did in a combat deployment, because on a combat deployment even if you're sleeping in an MRAP or somewhere else you're away or somebody goes away for 6 days and they come back um, uh, you know on a different fob or a patrol you're with the same people every minute of every hour of every and day and no other people and no other people and yeah. no other people on that so it so it you better you better uh, if you're going to do something like that you better you better have a very solid foundation if people are thinking about walking across America or doing that it, I would say the number one thing, other than your own physical health, and that would be the selection of the people that you are choosing to go through life with. Yeah, yeah. which the long road is a metaphor as well about the turnout in life. The selection of who you choose to associate has a lot to do with your own personal uh, growth or restrictions in life. Absolutely, and that that just amplifies that out there in space. And it also with the PTS gives gives people something to look at and go i i want to do that i want to that makes sense i I can do this and now it gives them a blueprint because i had no i like nancy's thing i had no i had a white piece of paper no one had done this right yeah no one ever made a cart like that before i couldn't even find them online and i'm in my garage modifying two-seat baby carts am am i going to push it am i going to pull it the best thing about that and the best thing about what you had done with that as well, Nancy, is now if there's somebody out there that has an inkling they think they can do this, that just added to the catalog of sure. life where someone can go, I'm gonna do it a little bit differently, but I don't have to start from zero. Yeah. I can look at what these guys did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty neat legacy.
0: No, that is really cool. I mean it's it really sort of speaks to what I'm picking up as a theme here is this idea that being in connection or being connected with people is more than just having a connection. That there's really something more to uh, this long road than just sort of proximity, which proximity is huge, obviously, but it's more. Uh, And it's like you said, like that really sort of having that selection and then leaving that legacy. Yeah,
1: and I think it ties into what you were relating with. You know, people have uh, hardships with PTSD or you know, people, get, meet, that was suicide that's out here, right? Um, the long road represents this. I'm, I'm a firm believer that your life, right, there's been no two lives. Even twins are different. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The long road is your life, the context of your life, okay? There's no blueprint for how to do it. You have to do it the best you can with the tools you have and the time you have and, and, and do right by others uh, along the whole path when you finally understand there is going to be a lot of miserable failures along that timeline and you don't get wrapped up into today i'm a failure at this or what are people going to think about when they think about this and once you weave in that i'm getting to the end and it's not up to me when the lights go out i'm gonna ride the train until the lights go out and that's not you know, that's not for you to decide when the lights go out. Everybody's lights go out at the end of this ride. It not yeah. matter. Everybody, through different ways. Okay, There has never been another one that <laughs> has been able to be like, oh, my God, let me pattern my life after that individual. They managed to live for 5,000 years because I don't want to either. That sounds absolutely exhausting. Right. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, me, you, sure. that.
0: you won't be 25 for 5,000 years. So when years. you <laughs>
1: don't get wrapped up with what's yeah. right in your face right now that you're failing at today— you really do find that there is that sun does come up you can reach out and you can find out to something and sometimes you're going to have to make that reach out and other times you're going to have to answer somebody that does that because no matter how badass anyone thinks they are in the context of the world no one ever got as far as they did or as successful as they did by themselves themselves, in this world whether your parents influenced it whether your teachers influenced it whether just individual conversations influence it, you show me a person out there that can stand on a mountaintop and say, I did this for 80 years all by myself. You know, somebody didn't fudge a grade to get me through something. Mm-hmm. Somebody didn't like me a little more than the other to help here. And when you do realize the context of that and step off that platform, you find out you have so many resources, you have so much help, and today really isn't quite as bad as you really I'm making this out
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think back to the, uh, old Dos Equis ad campaign of the most interesting man in the world and Sergeant Major, here we are. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty awesome. It's you. Where (laughs) can we, where can we find you? What do you, what's next?
1: What's on the horizon for the most interesting person in the world? Well, I have quite a, Quite a few things. If, if it's up to my wife, it would be less, <laughs> right. not, not what's next or anything else. So this year, I'm a national commander of an organization called the Legion of Valor, which is uh, all the Medal of Honor and Service Cross recipients uh, in the nation. And being the first elected post-Vietnam national commander has kept me— That's amazing. Kept me pretty—I uh, I wouldn't say kept me pretty busy, uh, but kept me— looking at white paper again going how can you make something better Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. how can you make an organization that competes with a million others for viability visibility and this is an organization that 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 70 years ago the commander used to walk right into the white house and talk to the president because it was the premier veteran service organization in the nation of very elite warriors Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now there's 350,000 veteran service organizations that yeah. are out there so a lot of the older ones have became more fraternal over the years than they probably have been active. so you' mm. so you're kind of looking to, to take a new scope how can this influence because th- these are a repertoire of people that should be talking, in high schools ROTCs anywhere else yeah. because Congress. not only are yeah. they the people who survived a traumatic incident my a majority of my membership is in their 80s and 90s these yeah. are people who are successful in life not the military yeah and they were all have a medal that was earned in a very traumatic circumstance the medals. that they could have just quit in life The combat trauma is too much. I could have took my own life. I could have done this. So Nancy's heard me say it before. A lot of my heroes are not – they're the elder. They're people who have made it 90 years in this world that's down at your local retirement home that's sitting in a wheelchair because maybe their family doesn't – that person managed to see problems and get through them to be able to live to that age where a lot of other people said, I can't handle this, and they left – I want to talk to that person. They have the secret sauce. Yeah. And we should be highlighting more of those stories. Not so much of, you know, it's a flash in the pan. Let's let's see the catalyst on how that Medal of Honor was earned. Yeah. You got it, right? Um, But what's more impressive to me is how you just lived the next 66 years. Those are our tribal elders. Our tribal elders. Very well said, Nancy. And we in the United States do not value our elderly as much as a lot of other countries do look at they are the tribal elders we they're not a throwaway they're we need them here to do this yeah. and they also want to be involved to be able they want to get a little push to get out there and take 30 minutes with somebody to pass on that chief of the Indian which kind of knowledge well sure and I mean
0: Yeah, it's easy to sort of dismiss it as being um, sort of grandiose or, you know, egocentric. But at the same time, I think the vast majority of people feel like I have this information that was hard won, hard earned. I don't want you to have to do that. So if you just listen to me and just give me a forum briefly, I can maybe help you navigate these roads and rather than watching you make the same damn mistakes that i made um and maybe you aren't quite as fortunate um as i found I was. out
1: in my life a majority of the people i gravitate to is not the person at the bar telling you everything about what they did <laughs> it's usually the quiet person at the bar that isn't telling anybody anything over there and when you sit down and have a beer next to him, you find out oh my god this is a fascinating life yeah and it, this has a full life and like you had said it's not the it's not the bravado. It's not the, it, sure, there are people out there on speaking networks that are, because they have this, they have access to something. Yeah. Now, and they're selling a product, right? Yeah. Everybody in the world has some information that they should be passing on to somebody because, like we said, no two lives are different. Um, and, and maybe maybe more, Vic, it's motive, right? Yeah. I, I'm very, I wouldn't say judgmental, but I'm very apprehensive about people's motives. Sure. On on why are they willing to give me this information? Is it because they need me to get something for them to do that? Or is it these kind of conversations that, um, that are given free of charge, Yeah, mm-hmm. that are just like... Wow. Here you go. You know, there's a bazillion people out there going, you know, I'm not speaking on somebody's podcast unless I get $20,000. Well, you know what? Then nobody's going to really hear your message. And if you're doing that, maybe I don't need to care to hear your message because there is still so much free content generated by very thoughtful people that can lay out. And it's just like like a fireside chat. Yeah. And, and that's what I told you when you first started doing this was I was so happy to see you all do this because you're laying out something of value and you're not telling people I'm charging you to do this. You can go on and you can listen to any of your podcasts. And I think you're in the 70s maybe push an 80-some published Yeah, podcasts. I think we
0: just, uh, yeah, we're in, this, we're in the mid-70s, I think. When, when you're released, I think you'll be around either between 75 or 77, somewhere in there. And you and
1: I chatted before I walked in here about the difference and variations in that podcast. It isn't just a bunch of combat leaders thinking about this. It's industry leaders. It's civilians, uh, military people. It's people who are never in the military but worked around the military it's people that haven't been in the military that says here's the value in transition that i look for in a veteran and that scuttlebutt podcast um it, i listened to the the, the general robertus one the other night yeah um you know here is if you would probably say give me a list of the top 10 generals of any marine walking around that's here Anybody that's in uniform today that's probably coming from the enlisted ranks, for the most part, are going to say somebody that they recalled or they worked with in the past 20-some years. If you get a captain or a major or somebody who's been through some schools and a handful of – do the university, and they've had to do things in college, they're going to give the shoops and the pullers yeah. and a few other ones. I've never met anybody in my life that did a dissertation on Rupertus, mm-hmm, I know who he is being a historian. He also ties into a lot of my Moganville Island Hopping campaigns because you can go through people's personal histories and actually find little nuggets on. They were there at this time when bulldozers were covering up people. Yeah. And so to listen to that podcast and watch a member of his family that is a direct descendant talk about how fascinating it was to have, this is my grandfather. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is my legacy. But it wasn't like we just walked around and beat everybody over the head with the repairedist legacy. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That book is still like that. It's engaging. It comes from a family member's perspective. And it's uh, every family out there it, that's ever worn the uniform has a story like that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Every family has a story like exactly. that. And we have an entire Gray Research Center that's world class over there that gets to show people what those stories are. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for
0: those kind words, Sergeant Major, and then thank you for being so generous with your time to come and sit down with us for a little bit. I don't know. Nancy, do you have anything else? I'm like, I'm just sort of riding cloud nine right well, now.
2: yeah, I just want to remind our listeners, you can read more about the Long Road and the May issue of Leatherneck. And to make a donation... Uh, it's historyflight.com backslash donate or teamlongroad.com backslash donate. Yep, they both intersect
1: with yeah. each other, so you can't go wrong. We'll definitely with get, get those
0: though. in the show description. We'll get your, um, I'm sorry, what is it, the, the Legion of?
1: Legion of Valor. The Legion of Valor. And that's an add. open source as well. They can type in Legion of Valor, and it gives them thousands of citations in history. Yeah that I really wished when I was a young sergeant I would have known about the organization. i yeah. I honestly because just hearing about I would have been able right to now. have a database to print off something and hang in every window down the passageway that you can try to assist the marines of today with reflecting on not just the marines but it's a repertoire of everyone. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to get at the root cause of a lot of the old issues that are new issues and the new issues are old issues again, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's demographic changes, whether it is male, female, whether it is decade changes on the evolution of warfare, you can type into somebody like me and go, Sergeant Major, I'm a company commander that's here. Here is kind of. Some of the problems we're having in the thing right now, and I can go like, well, we saw that problem in 1964. I have the perfect person for that. Here's a citation. Here is how an African-American Lance Corporal in the Republic of Vietnam, who was in an all-white platoon at that time, after two weeks of recruit training, and that's, I mean, in eight weeks, but he's in country for only two Two weeks, weeks, and you're dropped into an all, moon, and you're the one African-American kid that just came from the United States that's burning down cities, that's chasing people down the thing, won't let people sit at lunch counters, and you just managed to be the one to grab a grenade and save that American Yeah, And somehow, eight weeks of recruit training in the U.S. Marine Corps taught that kid to do that. With all of what I said was going on, everything should have said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to dive that way or I'm going to throw you onto there, man. You know, we're not going to do that. And I have thousands of things from, you know, 1890 from when this is the original VSO of the United States. It is America's oldest VSO. You know, this predates the VFW, the American Legion. And these are started from Spanish-American War, Indian War, Civil War veterans. And you're talking about you can order a bevy of time, date, place. Uh, I'm looking for something from World War One, and it's all open source behind no firewall that just said, here's thousands of citations that you can just print off that actually is a force multiplier to today's generation because that's the last thing I would tell you, Vic, is I think you, I, I feel— just like with the long road, this real sense of responsibility that even though I'm a retiree, my actions can still contribute or hurt the active duty component yeah. on any given day according to the message that I choose to give out there. There is somebody going to listen to this podcast. If I went in here and started wanking about how my generation had it so much harder than that, how's how's I given the yeah. sergeant, the yeah. confidence that they need out there today to sit there and reinforce that, you know what, regardless of what's going on to the left and right, we're still the baddest apes on the planet out here. Right. You are Marines. And here's the citations from every generation. That's awesome. And, oh, by the way, Sergeant Major LeHue lives just down the road about 20 miles away or something like that. Um, anybody friend him on Facebook? Yeah, I saw something. Over there. Hey, why don't you drop him a line, see what he's doing on Friday. And I bet he'd actually come up here when we're throwing everybody around the martial arts pit uh, for a (laughs) warrior study and probably just come in, put some things on, say, okay, let's whip it on a little bit, shake everybody's hand, and then actually look them in the face and tell them, thank you for what you do. And don't ever let anyone tell you that your generation is not like the generations before in the Marine Corps because we need them to be better than we all were. Well, it reminds
0: me of our first conversation we had um, when you uh, said that uh, you knew when it was sort of time to start getting ready to go, when you are doing your actual primary duties and you're wondering, what the hell am I doing here? But your solve, your balm for that was going down where the Marines were. That's right. And talking to them and like, all right, I could do this another day. Yeah. Just having that interaction with
1: those Marines, those young Marines, just...
0: I mean, how many sergeant ma- sergeants major? You just you run have?
1: over to General Lukman or General Murray, any of them, and just be like, uh, I "Looked at the schedule. I know there's a meeting. I need to get out of it." <laughs> yeah. Right? And they know you, right, because mm-hmm. you interact with them. And they know you're not leaving them in the lurch. They know it's probably better to let you <laughs> go do what you have to do. And for the most part, it's better to let you go do what you have to do because you're able to do what they can't do. Because they are leashed to a desk, a schedule, or something. And you are out there is the one that is getting the touch point. You're the one that's out there going, you know what? I thought we had a hard day out there. I just saw this kid get his freaking butt kicked. And I bet he's going to go back to the barracks tonight thinking, I just got my butt kicked in front of 40-some people out mm-hmm. here, right? And you just sit over there and go, you know what? I was the first sergeant got my butt kicked by a last corporal in that same pit because— we didn't do the, what do you call it? Um, what do we call that, Vic? The, 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 where it's kind of like when the officers and senior lists come out, they get the lighter version. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, it's the, what is it, the gentleman's course. The it's gentleman's like. course, right? <laughs> yeah. No, the
1: gentleman's course was, hey, sir, let's go outside. We're going to get thrown around the McMack pit today. Yeah, You know, but the thing, the difference is they're going to be out there for eight hours. I'm going to be out there for 30 minutes, right? And when you don't ever forget that. But it fuels you because it gives you the perspective you need. Yeah. And it's a perspective you're not getting, right? Because it's not coming to you. You have to go to it. And I don't, I get to say how long I'm there. I get to say when this hurts. I get to say that. But it also, when at that time, when you were the head of the training and education for the U.S. Mm -hmm. Marine Corps. And these big rooms are making decisions that are going to take away from that or implement that. Or like you and I discussed earlier about wargaming on 400 series ranges. Okay, what do we put into wargaming that we can still Mm -hmm. uh, do reps and sets that's down here? That gave you the perspective because your muscles got to feel something again. You got to go out. You got to remember what it was like to have your, you know. When, when your knees hit the deck and if you don't know how to properly break fall, yeah. this is what that's going to happen. So yeah. maybe we don't need to have that taking out of the course to have a, a battle study for another 15 minutes to do that. Yeah. And those perspectives, um, I think I'm really proud to say is one of the biggest legacies is driving through Quantico and seeing the fluoride and the water of the time when you were there, whether it's hit gyms on the outside of barracks. Yeah, yeah. Pull up bars and you're like... Had a little bit to do with every oh, one of wow. those gyms that's put out there. Uh, pull up bars around here that aren't uh, visible for people. Because one night I looked out on my back porch at, at the old building at Training and Education Command, and I saw a young female marine at ten thirty at night trying to do a pull up by herself. I was the only one in the building. Yeah, she didn't know that I was there. She wasn't going. She wasn't there showing off. Right. Right. She was there hiding but trying to get better because that pull-up bar has no light on it. It's dark. There was only one of them. It's behind our building, and I'm not out in front of where all the things, yeah, embarrassing yeah. myself for this. And I remembered looking out a window, and this is at a time when a lot of decisions are being made on can she do this? Can she not do this? And I'm getting a perspective of somebody that, that cannot do this right now. But damn sure she's trying. Yeah, yeah. And she's out there at 1030 at night trying to do something. So I get to walk out, scare the crap out of a Lance (laughs) Corps. That's great. (laughs) And then you also have this, right? People, oh, oh my God, you're a senior Marine. And, you know, she could have went back to the barracks and said that, you know what? That's not what's going through my mind is that's a Marine. I want to find out why you're there. And how many pull-ups could you do? I can't do any right now this year. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna do something right now. And you're gonna get up here on my knees and get up on that bar and you're just gonna go and know what it's like to get your chin above that bar yeah. and you're not gonna be able to do one of these, right? And then you find out, you know, six, seven, eight months down the road, that's the girl that's coming over to you to say, I got seven pull ups on my test. Awesome. You know, when people are saying that they'll never be able to do pull ups right, and right. different things. And And whether your personal feelings, you know, is very adamant. Everybody can go online and find out during that time, you know, what people were saying or what they wasn't doing. Strip that off. The decision is made, and we need her to be just as strong as the next guy. So I don't need her doing, you know, dark pull-ups behind a building. I need her to have a sergeant and a corporal that says, I'm willing to take my time to get you to where you're at. And I truly do believe that across a deck, that that's still going on in tank crews. It's still, I have to believe that. I have to believe that the jump seat leadership that we grew up is still happening on the ramp. I have to agree that the weapons cleaning leadership is still going on because that's the leadership that I grew up on that made me able to do yeah. what I've been able to do in life. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Sergeant Major, again, this has been so great. I would be remiss, though, if I didn't, if I let this interview or this episode go without mentioning our Marine Corps Heritage Award winner, Nancy. Oh, thank you.
1: You broke my. uh, You know what?
0: Yeah. So congratulations to you, Nancy. what it is. It's a huge deal. I was gonna this Saturday. You received your award uh, for journalism. yeah, congrats. Thank, and you. Feel feel so like so cool. Thank you. It was so cool. Thank
2: you. It was – I'm still thinking back, looking at the photos, because it went by.
0: Yeah, I'm actually surprised you're not wearing your model today. Um, but
1: yeah, you should. You should wear it everywhere. I should wear it everywhere. It now, would go I with your know. sweater. I mean, it it would.
2: It really would. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, well, I threatened, uh, I threatened Mary Reinwald, Leatherneck Editor. I said um, – Hey, do you think it would be okay if I asked the Marine Corps Heritage Foundation if they could swap out the medal for a tiara? You know, just to yes. see her face. Oh
0: yeah, um, mine would have been one of those. That's why we roll with you, Nancy. Uh, <laughs> you're always, w- you're always w- taking it to another level. You're yeah. a visionary. Yeah, I'm If a you had the WWE belts, though, that would have been awesome.
2: It, it was. It was actually really great. And and the the best part about it for me was to be among like-minded people among other writers photographers creative types who those creative types tell the marine corps story and are passionate about telling the story not just of the marine corps but of individual marines and that was really an incredible place to be and Can and
1: can you enlighten the leader or the listener base on what specific article that they could actually go and look for that, that yes. led to your award?
2: This was for an article I wrote about astronaut and marine pilot Fred Hayes. And that's the other, the other thing I wanted to say. When I found out I had gotten the award, I contacted Fred immediately to let him know and to thank him for allowing me and trusting me to tell his story. Because that guy, you know, for 50 years, people have been at him. Hey, tell me about this. Tell me about this. And I was just one more person coming at him to say, Mr. Hayes, would you mind telling me your story? You remember that time you were in Apollo 13 and you remember that time? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he was willing to do that. So I, I contacted him and his response was essentially it wasn't me. It was you. It was your writing that won you the award not my story and that just speaks to what a great guy he is but but also it it, it, something that's kind of marine specific as I've as I've learned over my last 16 years with Leatherneck that that you all are very much a different breed and it is my great honor to tell these stories to people
0: well you do an amazing job and like so well deserved and honestly i'm so happy for you thank you it's such a great accomplishment and it's such um deserved recognition for your work so i appreciate that yeah i want to make sure we get that on air
2: all right i'm embarrassed now but thank you (laughs) yes well we'll close on that thank you sorry major again
0: i mean i would say goodbye but i think probably It's more apt to say so long because I know we're going to have you back on. Um, You just do too many amazing things to not have you back on the show. So, can't wait for next time. But for today, thank you so much for being with us. This was awesome. Thanks a lot, Vic. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. All right, listeners, have a good one. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am William Trudy. but you've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, USMC retired. Anthony Lichman, or Ty Frazier. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.